Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Pierce. And this week, we were inspired by an Australian that ate his body weight in beans. Inspired by his act of bravery, we ate only Nutella for 48 hours. We're not farting around. <laughs> no, in this case, we are not farting around. Uh, I think that's going to be the only fart joke I make all episode. It, it's too... It, are you sure about that? You want to get them all out right now? Uh, fart, 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 fart. <laughs> no, I, the video we watched, there definitely was uh, a touch of fart jokes, but it, it definitely could have been a lot worse. That's right. He commented that uh, the, the stories were real. Pierce, do we have any follow-up? Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. No, I uh, I sent you the fo- uh, a whole bunch of photos from our last week's episode or our last episode from two weeks ago, including the um, medical kit that's in hidden in the trunk of my Audi, and then also um, my bike fully loaded up with all the bags. Well, I think I think I had pictures of the bike, um, but I was eagerly anticipating the uh, the first aid kit, so I do appreciate that. So we're gonna get that uh, episode posted. Real soon. Also, last week, uh, it's been bothering me, uh, last episode, I called one of the wells a Cartesian well. It's not Cartesian, that's mathematical. As soon as I said it, I was like, didn't feel right. It's an artesian well, and the CNO wells are not artesian wells because you have to pump them. So just a regular aquifer. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to say that, that uh, I do have a Wikipedia page uh, ready to go for the show notes uh, to help everybody out and uh, understand that concept. I guess we could also put a link to um, to the, you know, you know, some kind of hand pump well, if we want to explain how that works. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Do you, could you just take a stab at it? Try to explain how the hand pump well works? Yeah, yeah. So you're squeezing the water out of the ground with your hand, I think. Uh, okay, so... It's like, a, it's like an eyedropper. I'm not sure how we prime the system, but uh, I'm pretty certain that one of those pump it by hand wells works by when you're on the when you're lifting the lever arm, pushing air down into the uh, reservoir. I, I don't think you're pushing air down. Hold on a second. When you when you're lifting the arm, uh, you're you're lifting water up above. Like if you imagine the piston in a you know a gasoline car engine. So right? you, you think it's. So there's water the on top of pushing air in to push, push the water out. Well, there, there's, there's water on top of that thing and you're lifting it up and it comes out the spout. And I think there must be some kind of valve associated with that, like cylinder so that, um, when you lift, you know, uh, it's closed, I guess. And when you push the, when you push the lever arm back down, it's open. So water can then flow up on top of the thing. So just like, uh, you know, when you drink through a straw, Pierce, and it works because you're, you know, the, the water comes up the straw because you're lowering the pressure in your mouth. Um, I, well, no, I, I love turtles. Okay. So you're using a metal straw and when you, when you suck the water up through the straw, what you're really doing is you're lowering the, um, air pressure inside your mouth, which causes the atmospheric pressure, uh, you know, pushing down on the liquid in the glass pushes that that liquid up through the straw and into your mouth. So anyway, I think that's what's happening here with the pump. That that when we on every upstroke, we're lowering the pressure inside the you know the pipe go, that goes down into the well, and 
and that causes the water to be pulled up behind the, um, you know, the piston or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at the, we'll, we'll get some links. Um, if we don't put them in, you know, maybe we'll put them in both. You know, since we haven't published yet, we can, we can put the links in both episodes. So the people listening to me right now, uh, or the people wanting to know what you were talking about last week uh, or two weeks ago can uh, know what's going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to your uh, diorama of how it works. Oh, I could make a diorama. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> With a li- mini working water pump. Uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, maybe next week. Uh, that'll be my challenge. Oh, you you could have one of the prospector carts next to it too. All right. So I guess uh, how we got started for, is that all our follow-up? That's all I have. I'm really excited to talk about our Australian guy. Tell us about this Australian guy. All right. So, you know, watching YouTube and I'm recommended this video uh, not our primary video for that we're going to talk about tonight. What's his name? But um, the guys. Uh, so the the guy who's featured in the videos and uh, who's you know he kind of it's his channel. His name is Bo Miles, uh, and he's an Australian who lives in the town of Jindivik. I think J I N D I V I C K. Is that near? Which is about a hundred kilometers. Yeah, it's about 100 kilometers uh, east of Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Melbourne being the uh, capital of uh, the state of Victoria uh, in Australia. Named after the famous king. Uh, Named after the British Queen Victoria is my guess. Oh, she, her. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so apparently this guy, he's, uh, he's, well, it's fun, you know, because he has an Australian accent. But the, the video that was recommended to me by the YouTube algorithm, um, he was running a marathon. Um, but he wasn't running just 26.2 miles. He was going to run a marathon over 24 hours. And so I guess in the morning, he got up and he ran three miles. And that was his first hour. And then every hour after that, he ran a mile and he came back to his house and he did some chores and then beginning of the next hour he'd run another mile and so however long it took him to run a mile he'd come back and the rest of the rest of the hour was you know doing chores around the house um he planted trees um he built a table uh pierce you really need to look watch this video because i think you would really appreciate this um this barn that he has on his property it's this giant you know huge shed you know that's got like I guess it's uh, like five sides. It's got a floor and a, a roof and three cl- sides closed in. And then the one side, it's open. Uh, and he's got all kinds of workspace in there. It's like a, a alfresco shop. It's just really cool. Anyway, so the guy was neat. I was really impressed by um, by him doing this marathon over 24 hours. I, I really like the um, orchard and all the um, produce he's growing on his farm. It, I don't know if it's a farm or property, I should say. But he, he's doing quite a bit just in terms of agriculture or self-sustainability. Yeah, I know. And um, when he, in the other video where he's eating the beans, you know. <laughs> he's growing his own beans. He spends days collecting vegetables and all these other things that he can't eat. You know, that kind of ties in with our last video because he, he starts uh, canning them. Do, what, uh, does he can the beans? I know, that, I know that he uses the cans. Pierce, you're getting this out of order here. But I know that he uses the cans to grow beans and he makes them available for his neighbors. He's like, hey, you want some some beans? 
so all the all the cans that uh, from all the beans he's eating, he's he's planting um, bean plants and giving them away. I'm sorry, I used the wrong term. He's uh, preserving the fruits that he's not eating, so he's jarring them or canning them in the traditional preservation sense. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. So, um, all right. Sorry. I, I have one more thing about about the the marathon thing. So you know, he's he's doing it over twenty four hours. So you know, I guess he starts in the morning when it's daylight, and he's running all through the night. Um, you know, and there are some hours where he, you know, after he he runs a mile, he comes back and he he takes like a twenty minute nap, uh, and then the alarm goes off and it's it's time to do it again. And I I, I guess I have a little bit that I can relate to there because um, it's like a Ragnar. Yeah, that's right. It's like a Ragnar. Um, I guess I've done the the relay race um, here. Uh, I don't, you know, I looked at the website this afternoon, Pierce, and I don't have the same same course anymore. But twice, uh, I and a team of, I guess maybe is it five other people or something, or maybe it's maybe it's eight people. It might be eight people in the size team that I was in. But so eight people run a relay race. Uh, over the course of two days, I guess, uh, from Cumberland, Maryland, down into uh, Washington D.C. Anyway, and so it's it's crazy because you know you're you're driving around in a van, you're sleeping in a van, you're you know it's your time to go, so somebody wakes you up, and then you you know run. Now it's not a mile. I think the longest segment I ever did was oh, it wasn't quite twenty miles, was it? No, I think I think the total of my legs might have been twenty one miles or something. Uh, over those two days the distance of your leg per time division is up to you you guys don't have there's no requirement for say one team member has to do five miles or has to do an equal amount of work one person could run a majority of it and the other people well no because they're there are uh, structure they're fixed exchange points pierce so over the oh you have to change yeah over the 200 miles you know they might have a an exchange point because they have to manage like all the vans driving there and parking and, you know, they don't want people, you know, having a baton exchange like in the middle of a road somewhere where it might be dangerous. So um, let's say, you know, there might be a six mile leg and then, you know, a 12 mile leg and then a four mile leg and then a, you know, whatever. And I guess everybody has to run in sequence, right? So you're the let's say the fifth runner. So you run fifth and then you run. Oh, so you can't, you can't just take an extra break if you need to. Uh, I think if someone's injured, you can, other, other teammates can sub in for them. So, you know, if somebody got hurt, you know, and they couldn't finish whatever their allocation was, you could, uh, you could have other people run their legs. And I don't think you had to have one person do all of their substitutions. So if somebody got hurt and they had three things to go, you could have three different people fill in that part. Having never done a Ragnar, I, I know about the events and I know there's mixed uh, sport type Ragnars as well, where you can have a running leg and a cycling leg and that sort of thing. But is there, oh, that's cool. Is there really like a, um, a competition at the end? I know people win them, but what is, what is the reward for winning it other than just winning it? Do people make money off of it? Oh, overall winning? I don't, you know, I think there's a staggered start. Pierce. So I think if you did have someone win, it would be, you know, kind of chip timed. But even then, I don't think that they, they don't keep that accurate time. Uh, I think there might be some deadline. Like a drop dead time. 
Yeah, like, you know, they have the, the van come along and pick up all the stragglers kind of thing. But yeah, my team has never been, you know, fastest <laughs> by any means. Um, so, so I've never come close to winning. So I'm not sure what happens if you do that. I know that if you finish, you get a medal. That's a can opener. Did you accept it? Yes. In this case, since I, since I paid the entrance fee, I participated in the whole event. I felt it was appropriate to uh, collect my medal. Yes. No, sir. I'm not taking your medal. <laughs> Pierce is referring to me, uh, helping some other people pace a race, uh, in which I would not be an entrance uh, or an entrant. And then, um, I jump in somewhere along the course and, uh, I run some distance of it with them. And whenever I've done that, I've, I've not participated in any services, you know, I'm not taking anyone's water. And if I do happen to be participating at the end of the race, uh, and there was a prize, uh, I would decline the prize because, uh, I had not done the whole event. So anyway, see this YouTube video guys really neat. Uh, he's got a fun personality. And then I, you know, we see this other video. Pierce, I think I asked you to send this to Jim. Have you sent it to Jim yet? I have not sent it to Jim yet. Okay, we're just going to send the whole podcast to Jim then. He has a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> That's right. He's behind. The The video that we uh, that we based today, or today's podcast on um, is another video from this guy, Bo Miles, and he decided to eat his body weight in beans. And Pierce, do you remember why he did that? Uh, it was based on a... Um... Uh, Steinbeck novel, Tortilla Flats. That's right. Uh, Tortilla Flats, which apparently is um, about, you know, some people in Monterey, California, shortly after the end of World War I. Uh, I'm afraid I've not read it. Maybe I should put it in my Goodreads. Yeah, neither have I. I was thinking about actually improving myself by reading this after watching a YouTube video. <laughs> so... Um, I, apparently in the, I mean, please do watch the video. It's it's kind of fun. But so, uh, Bo is, uh, he's inspired because apparently there's a scene in uh, Tortilla Flats where, um, doctor comes by or something, and all the kids in this you know little shack are really healthy, and it's like, how's that possible? And the mom's like, they just eat beans. Um, and apparently they also eat uh, tortillas, but. Bo, in the video, does not eat tortillas. He just eats beans. For whatever reason, he latched onto the beans instead of the tortillas. I think it was just because they ate them off the floor. That's right. And Bo also, uh, there's at least one scene, if not more than one, where uh, he also demonstrates eating the beans off the floor. So he says, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my body weight in beans. And for him, that was uh, 191 cans uh, of beans over the course of 40 days. And then, you know, and the, he's a really active guy, right? He's not, he's not a couch potato who's just decided to spend, you know what, I'm going to spend the next month, month and a little bit just eating beans. He's still, you know, he's working on the farm. Uh, he's exercising and it's really neat. He talks about how his new bean diet, you know, works with his exercise or doesn't as the case may be. And at the end of the 40 days, um, he's signed up to do this 50 kilometer race which uh, for non-kilometer people is, uh, I have it written down here, where is it? 31 miles. So after 40 days of eating nothing but beans, he's going to run 31 miles. And it's interesting in the video, he talks about how that affects his body. The thing I was thinking is he's very large for an ultra marathon person. 
for someone who's capable of just off like out of nowhere competing in an ultra marathon his training didn't seem that ridiculous for it he just has that perpetual uh, base fitness carrying that much weight 84 kilograms i think he said over 50 kilometers is not an insignificant amount of weight that's very hard on the joints yeah i uh i think i did the math i think it's 187 pounds maybe so he's a pretty sturdy guy he's not he's not overweight but i think you're right i think he just has some base fitness um in the end i think he does lose weight um on his new diet yeah i think he lost uh eight and a half pounds or something like that over the course of 40 days which is pretty remarkable in terms of diet eating only beans for 40 days is difficult but he basically ate as much as he wanted to. Well, I mean, I, yes, I guess maybe he would have, if he ate more beans, he would have finished early, I guess. Uh, I think he settled in about, was it four or five cans of beans a day? Yeah, yeah, I think it worked out to five and a half cans of beans a day. And it was a variety of beans. I think he was not excited every time he opened a, and he, he took all the labels off the beans. So it was like bean Russian roulette. You know, you never know what you're going to get. At the beginning of the video, he, he intentionally said, I'm taking all the um, the labels off the can, so it's always a surprise. And he puts together a montage of him opening, uh, I don't know, five or six black bean cans at a time, and they're his least favorite. And it's, at, it's like, not again. At that point, it's probably 20 days into it, and he's just fed up with it. Yeah, I think that I was pretty impressed with how, how well produced the video was, Pierce. Did you... Apparently, I think it's it's like even... He submits these videos for, you know competition in some way i didn't do a lot of research into that yet but yeah i did a little research into his background and he's just basically a uh, renaissance man of uh eccentricity he's a blogger i guess i mean not traditionally he's a writer but he's been writing journals and blogging but he also has produced a lot of videos and he's done short form video and like audio and he, i think he's coming out with a book later this year so it's not like oh it, i think uh yeah, it, early next year, I think, in the spring. It's not out of nowhere. I think he's just very well educated in terms of producing works of art. Uh, I guess creative works. That's probably the best way to say it. I don't think this is something new to him. This is just what he's doing on YouTube is the new form of uh, creativity he's expressing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I found his LinkedIn, actually. Uh, and it says he has a PhD in adventure education. Uh, I wish I knew that was a thing when I was in school. <laughs> I definitely probably would have uh, been okay with that. Yeah, that does. It's. I mean, he's spending a lot of time outside, doing a lot of kayaking, all kinds of stuff. I'm really impressed by this guy, I guess is the point. I don't know. He either is very well read in um, agriculture or he had something like an ecology background somewhere in school because he seems very well in touch with um, uh, plants and, and just nature in general. Sorry, this is a tangent. I also wanted to comment that his wife... Uh, who who's also kind of appears, you know, in the video for commentary, uh, seems awfully patient, uh, you know, putting up with this stunt or whatever, um, or, or his potential flatulence. Uh, anyway, so I was impressed by that. I think. Uh, Did you notice the part in the video when Bo showed us them both eating dinner together, and he's sitting at the table with a cold can of beans, just forking it out on his uh, spoon that he carries around his neck. And his wife had made nachos for dinner that has beans sprinkled on top. And I'm not sure if she's trolling him. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, he commented that uh, she was using a knife and fork for nachos, which I can't really abide. But um, yeah, and that's that's yeah. It, the video shows him like he's eating beans on the subway. 
he's eating beans in the parking lot at work. We, let's talk about the subway. It's not him just eating beans on the subway. At one point, he was alone enough on the train to set up a camera and tripod across from the door where people enter onto the train. And he's standing between the doors with his back to him. So the people come on the train and see the camera. And then they turn around and look at this like stout man with a beard just eating beans out of a can with a tiny uh, spoon with a like a necklace hanging off of it. And I was just like. That's right. He has, he, has a, he has a spoon, a spork lanyard. It just looks like so much fun. You know, we were wondering what to do this week. And I guess that's why we uh, we kind of latched onto this. Except instead of beans, we substituted uh, chocolate hazelnut spread. Why did we choose Nutella, Pierce? I mean, I guess we both had it at home, but I think it was your choice. What what inspired you for Nutella? You really wanted to do the beans for 40 days? Yeah, I was always I was ready to do the beans. I was so ready, but I think it well, it did, it did take a strain on him. So I think we we're, we're warming up. Maybe maybe next time, maybe we'll do beans in the fall. Well, the other thing too is I have quite a quite a few cans of beans here, but they're my strategic reserve in the event that all the food in the world goes away. And I didn't really want to dig into it. Right. I guess that's true. We have to be careful. We don't want to we don't want to cut into that supply should uh, our 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 global crisis uh, worsen. Yeah, just, I mean, just like a a Coke dealer, you don't you don't sample your product or you don't do your product, right? <laughs> Uh, I think that's what they say. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that was my motivation. And just thinking it through, I was like, well, what do I have a lot of that I could eat for a couple of days and not have to deal with bean juice? <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I guess when did, we decided this on Tuesday or or sometime Wednesday, and I guess um, today's Friday, Friday evening as we record now. So all... All Thursday and, and today, Friday, um, nothing but Nutella. Yeah, I, I think we originally said 24 hours, but um, you were talking to my wife. And for whatever reason, she said, why not do 48 hours? And I think she just wanted to mess with me. Like, I think that's, well, that's the real, easy for her to say. Yeah, I think that was the real motivation. And she also wanted to torture me a little bit. So in the uh, night that I couldn't have any food other than Nutella, she orders my favorite food in the world, tacos for delivery. And she just sat there eating it, smiling at me while I'm spooning Nutella out of a jar. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Um, well, I, uh, I, I, you know, cause this is a fun science experiment. And in the video, Bo, um, apparently he, you know, like he's, he's having himself checked out by doctors or whatever, who are testing his blood or whatever. So they're, they're saying that his new, or they're seeing how it affects his nutrition, and I guess to make sure that it doesn't kill him. And so I thought that we'd do some science also. And so I've carefully kept track of how much Nutella I've eaten. So let me, I just want to go over those numbers here. Uh, so Thursday morning, before I had any Nutella, brand new can, and, you know, with the container included, the mass of the container was 821 grams. And then I have, I can tell you how much I had each day. So at the end of Thursday, uh, the new weight was 642 grams, uh, which meant that I consumed 179 grams of Nutella on Thursday. How many calories did that add up to? Well, you'll be pleased to know that at uh, 190 kilocalories, which is what we call a food calorie, 
uh, per 37 gram serving, that translates to approximately 919 calories. And so that was Thursday. You are looking trimmer. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure it's had that much of an effect that quickly, but that's very kind of you, Pierce. Um, <laughs> Even over the, over the uh, video call, you know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds. Looking very trim. I appreciate that. Thank you. Nutella subtracts 10 pounds. It's Nutella subtracts 10 pounds. That's true. I don't have a scale. I can't tell you what I weigh. Uh, I can only tell you what the jar of Nutella weighs. I only have a, a kitchen scale. Can you use your uh, iPhone to determine whether or not there's been a delta in your acceleration to Earth? You mean like because it has an accelerometer? Like if I strapped it to my chest and I jumped? How? Yeah, if you strapped it to yourself and jumped. Well, I'm I'm counting on you to write that app, Pierce. I don't I don't know exactly if that would work or not. I only have one app. Anyway, so this morning I woke up. I was pretty hungry, but still didn't eat anything but Nutella. And so uh, today, at the end of today, or right before we started recording, and I still haven't had anything else to eat, uh, the jar uh, with the lid on weighs 489 grams. So the delta from uh, Thursday evening to Friday evening tonight was 153 grams. So today I've only had 785 calories uh, of Nutella. Now, I will say that we were allowed to have beverages, right? So I've also had coffee with no sugar. So you've had about a half a jar then? Yeah, yeah, close to that. Well, a little less than half a jar. That's right. What what size jar is that? Did you say it was 24 ounces or? The jar is labeled as 26.5 ounces, 750 grams. What was mine, 30, 36? I know yours was taller. I mean, they're all they're kind of a weird shape. They're maybe they're designed to fit in your hand, but they're they're kind of a smushed uh, uh, peanut butter jar, right? You know, like if you if you squeeze the bottom of a peanut butter jar and kind of made it a pancake. No, no, it, it totally makes sense. So Nutella is a German product, right? Germans are notoriously uh, analytic and uh, engineering focused. So the jar is optimized for uh, fitting a spoon in there without getting Nutella on your knuckles. <laughs> Well, that's actually, I do wonder, do you think it's German? I, th- I think it is. It, this particular uh, package was made in Canada and distributed by some comp- uh, Ferrero, which I think is the Ferrero Rocher people, uh, in Somerset, New Jersey. Sounds like Jersey Shore situation. <laughs> do not refrigerate or microwave. What? Well, I've never seen a product that said do not refrigerate. Uh, probably because uh, it might... Um, separate i think that's probably the concern and then don't microwave it because the plastic could melt do you think you just get a giant pool of like <laughs> of uh, separated fat on the top like a chicken stock in the uh your hazelnut uh fat would would separate or something hmm. anyway so i i measured grams pierce i think you you used a different methodology for keeping track of how much you ate yeah i, w- I was not nearly that exact as a cyclist, one of the things I absolutely love is like coming back from a really hard ride and just having a spoonful of Nutella. Uh, that's like, that's a really good treat. So uh, my wife is amazing, and she whenever she goes to Costco, she buys I think it's a three pack of Nutella, and we just have a couple of those in our, our pantry. So for this challenge, I pulled uh, one of these fresh jars out, and I guess in the morning I just took it straight to work and started going to town. <laughs> no, no, but I th- I think you were keeping track. Let's see, each day I'd probably I'd probably hit the jar three or four times. And each time I got in there, I was probably doing between six and eight spoonfuls of uh, Nutella at a time. 
shocking to me. I actually went through a lot of the larger jar. You only did half, but I'm probably uh, over three quarters of my jar done. Well, I, I will have to say that I, so in the video, Bo's continuing to exercise. I did not exercise at all in the past two days. So I think Pierce, your wife was very concerned that I was, I was not consuming enough calories to survive, but I was not really going above and beyond for actually doing any work um, other than like breathing. So you still exercised. You went for at least two bike rides. Yeah, yeah. We got two two workouts in, fully Nutella supplemented. And the first... Hazelnut yeah, powered. Yeah, the big hazelnut energy. Yeah. So I think that, that totally accounts for you having actually consumed more Nutella mass than me. That's fair. The thing that I do not fully know is actually how your body will metabolize that much sugar over the course of a day. So surely your body is trying to convert as much of that into fat reserves as possible. Your body is also just going to burn it even when you're sitting at rest very quickly just because it's sugar in your bloodstream and your body really wants to use that over fat. So during the course of the day, like a nine hour day at work or eight and a half hours or whatever it was, and I'm just pounding sugar. My body is just like, uh, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. So it, like you pour it in, it flashes <laughs> up and then it dies back down. Like, I don't know how much of that you're actually able to convert over to fat. So in the, the first ride, I, I felt fine. I felt normal. The next day I did a, I don't know what the equivalent for running is, like a like a very sustainable pace for like a, an hour. Could you have talked to Mary? Like if she was if she was riding with you, could you guys have had a conversation? Yeah, yeah, it was a conversational pace, but I definitely felt empty. I don't know if you've ever reached the end of your blood sugar, or I guess they call it bonking in cycling. I don't know if there's an equivalent running term. But you, you've burnt all of the available sugar in your blood and your liver, and your brain is kind of, is operating in deficiency. Think your body starts to kind of go into a preser- preservation mode. No, no gas left in the tank, as it were. Yeah, at that point you're really behind the eight ball. And that ride, I kind of felt like that the entire way. And on top of that, I did a hard ride the day before, so my legs didn't feel great. And like in the first fifteen minutes of the ride, I'm like, oh. I can't wait to be done. I still have two hours left to go. <laughs> well, I'm impressed that you uh, that you you went all in on the Nutella and um, and you didn't skimp on your your exercise. The weird thing is, I think I definitely felt worse eating so much sugar and then exercising than I would um, if I had just you know not eaten anything. Oh, you think having the the sugar calories was worse than just running on you know an empty stomach or sorry psych running, going, cycling on an empty stomach. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that that much sugar is so influential on your glycemic index. Like you're just spiking and then crashing. And I think that crashing is way more detrimental than just being hungry. Well, I think it, in 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 Bo's video, you know, we have a very small sample period here of, you know, 48 hours and you have, you know, two workouts you can point to. But you know, over 40 days, he kind of figured out that like, you know, I think at first he was having too many cans of beans a day. And over time, he realized that, you know, his body was not happy with that. And it was more efficient. His body kind of figured out how to work better on on the four or four and a half, whatever it was, cans of beans a day. And I think I think he comments that like, he didn't feel great, but he felt kind of satisfactory, right? Was that is that, is that what you would, how would you think he described it? Yeah, he, he described himself as feeling really good for average. Yeah, but I did really appreciate, like, he was talking about, you must have the same same kind of feeling, like, if you're cycling and 
you know, your body's working correctly or whatever, and it's a good day and, you know, it's just, you feel good and it's easy or whatever. And, and I guess he described like for him, uh, when everything was working correctly, you know, he's, he said that running was like a symphony with, with everybody, you know, working like all parts of his body working correctly together, you know, and it, and it sounded good or whatever. And, um, when he was on, when he was first adjusting to his beans or even once he, he reached that average state, do you remember, what did he say? It was a funny thing. It was like, oh, it's just a bunch of idiots, I don't know, playing the wrong music or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that specifically. Like, I totally get the sentiment. Uh, in cycling, there's a famous term or famous phrase, and I think it might have been Fausto Coppi. I believe it was an Italian cyclist who said this. There, there are days when you feel really good. I'm sure it's the same for running or any endurance sport where you can push yourself and it like it doesn't feel good. Like exercise doesn't really ever feel that great, but you feel really comfortable and you feel like you can push yourself harder even though you're just doing what you need to do. What he said was those days on the bike, they're called no chain days where you're turning the pedals and you're just going however fast you want to feel. But your legs aren't actually connected to the bike. I think that's what he was describing in terms of the uh, the symphony. Yeah. I think there was one other thing I wanted to say. When he got into him starting his runs, he would occasionally be wearing normal running gear. And then it would cut to another run of his, and he's wearing an Oxford button-down shirt. Yes, his, uh, his wardrobe for exercise was uh, a little peculiar uh, from my perspective. Sure, in a pinch I could run in what I wear to work or whatever but I wouldn't choose to uh sometimes he's running in you know I would say like some kind of hiking pants um you know and and yeah like a a button down you know long sleeve shirt yeah I mean it looks like a very heavy long sleeve shirt kind of like what a blacksmith would wear or something if you're worried about fire retardants yeah not to promote all of his videos, but there was another video of his that I watched where he he runs the length of a an abandoned uh, railroad line. And gosh, I don't remember how long it was, but you know, around here, Pierce, uh, you know, one of the places um, you might um, bicycle and, and a place where I run is the WNOD Trail. Not so great right now because there are too many people out there, but, uh, and you might just dislike it because... If you, unless you get out there really early, it's just really crowded for, for how you want to be riding. But, but anyway, so it used to be a railroad line, and uh, they took out the tracks, and they put in asphalt. And it's also right away for uh, high-voltage power lines. In his case, uh, near where he lives in Australia, there's just maybe there's a small section that actually still had railroad tracks, but uh, the majority of it had been, like, totally, you know, taken up, and it was farmland or housing developments or whatever. And he's like, well, I think the railroad used to go this way and I'm going to, you know, hike slash run it. And so he, you know, he takes his shovel and uh, he does like to run with a shovel. Like in the in the first video where he's running a marathon over, over 24 hours and he takes a shovel so he can plant trees. He's like holding the shovel in his arm, just running his mile, stopping on the side of the road, digging a hole. A full-size shovel? Um, yeah, yeah, like the something you'd use in the garden, not like a trenching tool or anything like that. No, it not not a small shovel, like full medium sized shovel, like the blade was medium sized, but full length handle or whatever. 
anyway, so he go, he go, he's you know climbing over fences. I think I don't know. Um, walking through like a pasture full of cows, so he doesn't startle the cows. He runs into some police that had been called to be like, "Hey, what what the hell is this idiot doing running through my yard?" I. I <laughs> Uh, but he talks his way out of that. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this thing here. And the police were like, oh, that's fine. That's cool. Just don't bother anyone. Keep running through the land. Have, have you ever accidentally startled or heard of cows? No. no I've never caused a stampede. Have you? <laughs> Not officially. No. Okay. But your friend did once. How did that happen? I heard about this. And he was riding, riding along a gravel road on his bike down a pretty steep downhill. At the very bottom of the hill, it's, I don't know, 100 degree turn. So just slightly over 90 degrees. This guy I know has never ridden this road before. And he's just he's just cruising probably 40 miles an hour. Coming up to the turn, you kind of like do a little soft bend and then really hard bend. And my friend locked up both of his wheels, realizing he was going to barrel into the turn way too fast and just made a lot of noise skidding out. <laughs> Just to a complete stop right at the edge of a uh, a pasture where a whole bunch of cows and their newborns were lounging in the grass. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't he didn't go through the fence or anything. He just he just made a lot of noise and and maybe kicked some rocks their way. Yeah, yeah. I felt uh, he felt fairly bad about it. Not nothing I could have done otherwise. I mean, it wasn't intentional. Were you were you with them? Like, were you in the same ride? Uh, it it was me. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it was you. <laughs> you could have just said yes, Pierce. That would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like a uh, hundred meters behind him. Yada yada yada. Spoiled milk. <laughs> a, a portion of Virginia's just not gonna have good milk for a while. No. That, well, I mean, you're pretty certain they were dairy cows. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Actually, they didn't have giant udders. Well, I wasn't also checking. <laughs> you were checking them out, right? They weren't. They weren't noticeable. Or you. Well, you said they were lying down at least until you got there. So. Yeah, and, and cows are surprisingly fast. Uh, well, I've never been chased by one, but uh, you know they have four legs. I, I always like to say that, you know, that's an unfair advantage. Like a dog or whatever on the end of a leash has four wheel drive and you don't. Yeah, but they have to have more drivetrain loss. <laughs> Do they, but they don't have more loss per wheel, as it were, right? That's a whole set. It's it's like it's like a four a four uh, engine Tesla, right? You got muscles in each leg, separate, you know, power plant. Yeah, I I, I suppose that's true. Have you ever seen an animal poop while they're running? Uh, I've seen a horse. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, not about running, but certainly moving at at some speed. I, I feel like that's certainly drivetrain loss. <laughs> that that's a concern. It's it's well. I think I think the thing is that they're not concerned. Like you might be a little embarrassed about it, but I don't think they are. So, um, <laughs> I think they're unfazed, Pierce. I think they just keep going. When we were uh, dog sledding, it was, that was a sight to behold. Oh, you mean like um, I don't know, where a team of huskies or whatever pulls a sled through the snow? That's what you mean, dog sledding? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, one of the rear dogs. It still did like the lifting up the leg thing while running. <laughs> while running. Well, it's really hard to coordinate with all your peers. Like, hey guys, hey guys, I need a I need a bathroom break. Can we stop at the next gas station? <laughs> you're just getting drug while you're That's doing right. your business. 
Um, maybe that's that's the trick. You don't need to, you know, if you don't have to, if you can just let your the guy next to you and the everybody ahead of you or whatever pull you along, you don't need to be running anymore. You just lift a leg up a little bit and drag the other three <laughs> legs. Uh, I don't know. I think you need to get skilled at running on the front legs for that situation. Well, yeah, yeah well, it's kind of like uh, like if you had a three-legged dog, right? And that log, that leg they don't have is kind of like the leg they're holding up in the air. So I guess it's possible. It's just a coordination issue, right? You have to tell that leg, I'm not running anymore, I'm lifting. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, patting your head and rubbing your stomach or whatever that it's impossible to do at the same time. Can you not do that? I might struggle to do that correctly. <laughs> but imagine, yeah, you have, to, you have to tell three legs to run, and then this other leg has to, like, you know, lift up. I think that'd be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where were we? Well, all right. I'll, one, one, one little anecdote along those lines. I can say that, you know, in high school, uh, cross-country practice, we'd be running with, in the woods or whatever, and um, it was very difficult to actually go to the bathroom while running. Like, I don't think I ever actually succeeded. This is number one, by the way. But <laughs> just to clarify... But uh, I just, you know, your mind, your brain is just like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I couldn't, I couldn't mix those two activities together. People do that on the bike too. And it's not something I'm into at all. It's just way too risky. I just rather stop and make up the 30 seconds. That's, that's, that's a pretty fast transition, Pierce. If you can get off the bike, go to the bathroom and get back on in 30 seconds. No, no, no. You don't get off. You, you stay on the bike. Okay. Well, you have to, okay. Stop moving. Lean and lean a little bit, right? I guess. Yeah. That's that's impressive. I'm not. I'm not going to ask for you know video or anything. But during the Tour de France and stuff, people will do it while they're rolling along. They'll have a teammate push them. Oh, okay. <laughs> not something I'm into or would advocate, especially if there's a, a strong cross or headwind. I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. It could get blown back at you. That's no good. Where were we with our uh, guy, Bo? Well, I think I, I've talked him up a lot. Uh, he's got uh, three videos that I've watched and enjoyed. Um, would you be up for beans? I really think we should try beans, Pierce. Maybe, maybe not, you know, this summer. But we, I think, I think it's a good stretch goal for us. I do not want to do beans. You don't want to hate beans forever. Watching him drink the juice out of the bean cans was one of the least appealing things I've ever seen <laughs> on YouTube. Well, you know, if that's all you're eating, I guess you want to have as many, um, I don't know, as many calories or as much of the nutritional variety as possible from them. Uh, do you remember what, what he wants? Um, well, that's a good point. So you've broken your fast, right? You've had, you've had a meal today. Is that right? I did. I had uh, leftover chicken Parmesan and it was amazing. Okay. Was that something that you, I mean, you said it was leftover, so it wasn't your goal like, oh, I can't wait to have this thing. You know, I haven't had any real food for 48 hours, and, and I want this. No, no, it was from uh, Tuesday night. That was what we got from Gregorio's in Reston. Because I think uh, Bo talks about, um, God, I don't remember what his first meal was after the beans, but I think I do remember him saying that, like, if he was stuck on a desert island, uh, there were three different foods that he wanted to have with him. Do you remember what they were? I, I do not remember now. They were... Uh, Bananas that were spotty brown, I guess. So like a ripe banana verging on too ripe. Uh, black licorice and good bread. Are you a black licorice fan? Um, I 
maybe a little bit in the right setting. It, it's certainly not a, a go-to food for me, but I would eat some of it. I think that's one of those foods like cilantro where you either like it or you don't. Yeah, I, th- I think that sounds about right. I mean, I, I think I, I can imagine some people who really dislike it. So maybe maybe it's good or it's terrible for people. I'm one of the people that I'm just not into it. Even like Jägermeister, if people are like, hey, let's do Jägermeister, I'm like, oh, okay. This is going to be like a gumdrop. I'm not into it. Well, I think there's several reasons not to do lots of uh, Jägermeister shots, Pierce. Just because you don't like the flavor is only one of them. Do you have a story? No. No, I have no stories there. No boating involved? No boating. I think the last time I've seen Jägermeister consumed was in Las Vegas. Was it after one of those like weird convenience machines behind the bar? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it was at the Hofbrau house or something. Dave, I'm going to make you a shot or a drink of tequila and uh, Jägermeister. Is that even a thing? I don't think that's a good plan. We're not doing that, Pierce. I, I'm a big, uh, big X on that one. They call that the uh, Deutsches Margarita. <laughs> um, you get to work on that Wikipedia page and uh, send me the link. R- remind me to tell you the story of uh, the time we were at Hofbrau House in um, Munich. And we met the people from uh, Montenegro. And my buddy, uh, he had all these elderly uh, Montenegro women kissing on him. I'll have to tell that offline. Okay, so that's not from the podcast? Oh, no, it's a teaser. Maybe maybe we'll do a uh, Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. If, if we set up the Patreon, that'll be a special episode uh, available to our Patreon members. That was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in my life. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and you weren't even a guy that was getting all the attention. Or maybe you were. I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Tune in. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe. Like and subscribe. Uh, smash that notification bell. So I, 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 speaking of that, I did subscribe to his channel. Did you subscribe? I, I'm looking forward to to uh, more Bo Miles content. You know what? I did not subscribe, but I'm also very stingy with my likes. I'll watch a few videos from someone until they start showing up in my recommendations. And then once that happens and I start crossing the barrier into clicking into the recommendations, I'll actually subscribe. There are very few videos that I've actually, you know, liked certainly i don't think i've ever disliked a video on youtube maybe maybe i don't want anyone to feel bad or i'm worried how it's going to affect my recommendations so why would you watch a video long enough to rate it negatively and then just like rating it negatively for someone who's out there putting something out there for free basically potentially to like for no financial gain that's kind of a jerk thing to do right yeah, and like, is it fair to rate it negatively if you bail out early? Like, oh, this video is recommended, and I watched like 45 seconds of it, and I hated it. Just turn it off. Like, can you, can you, do you vote it down before watching the end of it? Maybe it gets great at the end. I think you just have to walk away. Yeah, maybe there's a thing, and maybe the algorithm of YouTube doesn't allow you to successfully dislike a video unless you watch it all or something like that. Oh, well... Surely they would know. I mean, we we don't know. They people know. apparently can get statistics about like you know when people tune out of the video and you know what what parts they watch multiple times and stuff. So I think they YouTube, even if it's not you know giving all that data to their uh, creators, has all kinds of, you know crazy amounts of data about those kinds of things. So I'm sure that they could certainly scale. Like even if they let you put a 
a dislike mark that you see in the UI, they can scale that by how much you watch it or... Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard of any cases, or at least I haven't, about some group online organizing specifically to hate on someone else by burying their channel with dislikes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not, it's not anything I've heard of. I'm not saying it's not possible, but... No, I, I, I don't know. We don't know. Google is, Google's a black box in terms of YouTube. Were you happy that Bo included, I don't know, one or two fart jokes with a real included fart recording? Oh, of course. I think, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to make a video that's 25 minutes long or whatever uh, about eating beans for 40 days, I think it's only fair that you get, you know, a, uh, a demonstration. I, I was impressed by the quality of the recording. I'm not sure if he was sitting on a microphone. <laughs> no, it was his wife makes some comment about it. It's like, I can't believe how qu- quickly you moved to get that recorded. No, no, I know, but I don't know if he actually had like a cardioid microphone <laughs> behind him. We couldn't see. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Maybe, maybe he, uh, what it's, what's it called when you, uh, you go in and you record a dialogue later? Oh, ADR. ADR. Yeah. So maybe it's a uh, AFR. <laughs> you, you think, you think he faked his own fart? You think it's, <laughs> He, he should have gone with a more comical one then. Well, you know, it's just uh, he just substituted an enhanced recording. <laughs> I would have had a lot more bass. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure you would have. So after doing the uh, 48 hours of Nutella, though, did you did you find any difference in your energy level or uh, like overall well-being? Well, like I said, I, you know, I woke up uh, hungry this morning. Um, and if I don't if I don't have a snack tonight, um I probably expect to have the same thing tomorrow morning, but no, I, I, um, I wasn't, you know, tired at work. I didn't sleep differently, really. I think in terms of alertness though, it really does help keep you focused. I mean, that's what your brain's burning. Well, remember it's, it's not just sugar. It also has cocoa, right? So it has caffeine in it. And if, and if you look at the, you know, uh, I think you had some other beverages, but if all I had was coffee and Nutella, right? <laughs> I mean, that's nothing but stimulants, right? I had sugar. You chased it with Adderall. <laughs> I, I had sugar and uh, the the cocoa caffeine in the Nutella plus the uh, the coffee caffeine. I did also have, uh, last night I had two glasses of chocolate milk after my ride because I felt not great. And this morning I had a big glass of milk like I normally do before getting to work. Well, I, I did. Uh, so I said I had the coffee without any sugar and that's true, but I did have, um, I put 1% milk in it. And so, you know, I, I have some additional fat. I have milk fat, right? Milk sugar, milk fat, you know, looking at the nutrition facts here on the Nutella, a two teaspoon or 37 gram serving, uh, is 11 grams of fat of which 3.5 grams are saturated. Uh, there's no trans fats. Three grams of protein uh, and 22 carbohydrates, 22 grams of carbohydrates, one one gram of fiber, and 21 grams of sugar carbs. I feel like one gram of fiber is going to bite us in the ass later. <laughs> okay, so that's one thirty seventh of the Nutella is fiber, Pierce. I think that's 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 it can't be anything. I mean, it's not like you ate you know an entire stalk of celery or like a, you know. What do you call like a whole bunch of celery? Is it called a bunch? 
Uh, I believe it's called a pack. Okay, so like the thing you make ants on a log with, that is a stalk of celery. It's called a murder of celery. <laughs> it's a gaggle of celery. Murder of crows. Murder of crows. That's a joke Pierce is making, kids. It's murder of crows, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if we have names for bundles of vegetables. I mean, there's a... what? A, apple is a uh, bushel, right? Okay, well, when, if you pick apples, right, you put them in a... You know, a, um, a a container um, that I guess is a bushel size, uh, but that's just, you know, that's just a volumetric, made up volumetric unit. I'm saying like the, the plant that a celery is, you know, it's got the root ball and it's got these specialized leaves that are the stalks. I'm thinking through, it's weird how we've categorized groups of animals, but not necessarily groups of fruit or vegetables. So if you plant a bunch of wheat in a field or a bunch of corn in a field, it's that's a, just a field. <laughs> it's a field of corn. Um, but we don't have a more specific term, I guess, is your point. Yeah. If you have a hundred stalks of asparagus, it's not like a, I don't know, it's not a murder of asparagus. Well, I think an interesting thing about asparagus is I think you get many, oh, I think it's, it's called an asparagus shoot, I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Shoot. Yes. Yes. I know, but I think that I think you get many from the same plant. I think it's like um, I don't know. It's like uh, what what kind of trees are they? Like um, is it an aspen tree or or other birch trees or whatever? That's like one organism where you have like root systems under the ground that come up and produce additional trees. I know they take a very long time to mature, kind of like an olive tree. It takes a couple of years for you to be able to actually harvest any asparagus from it. Because the German laws are very focused on purity of their produce and uh, things that they eat. Uh, asparagus is one of those things that's only available in the springtime and German supermarkets typically only carry stuff that's in season. So every spring when asparagus comes back out, they have the uh, asparagus festival, which is a huge deal for them. Um, I, I like asparagus. Um, Who doesn't? Um, I don't know. Children, maybe, typically. Yeah, but I think that's the same with Brussels, uh, yeah, Brussels sprouts. But if you cook them right, they're pretty darn good. Uh, you know, white asparagus is not a different plant. It's just a plant that's been kept in the dark so that the, the uh, chlorophyll doesn't develop. Oh, really? Fun fact. So do you have like a grow grow shelter for it? I don't I guess, I don't know. Do you, I don't know if it's grown indoors or you just put a box over it or something. I don't, I'm not sure about that. I, I'm I, I'm distracted right now trying to figure out what a celery is called. Did you notice that at the end of his video, when he actually finally was eating uh, real food, did you see what he took a chug of? No. What was that? He took an entire mouthful of apple cider vinegar. Oh, yeah, he did. Yes, maybe. I'm not afraid of apple cider vinegar. Uh, it has benefits to stomach health, I think, like digestive process. Oh, he d he does say something about that. Maybe, I think, maybe all the beans had cleaned out his, his uh, gut flora and fauna or whatever and he was worried i think he made something about his uh digestive health and so maybe he was bootstrapping that with his uh vinegar yeah i don't think i would have gone full-on chug of apple cider vinegar well it's only a mouthful right well you know what maybe anything that has like significant flavor is exciting after having you know canned beans for for that long yeah i think i think that's probably true Although, oh, one of the things he talks about, Pierce, is he says that um, I think his wife is saying, like, how could you do that? And he's like, it's easy. I don't have to think about what I'm eating. 
You know, I'm going to work. I take two cans of beans. I totally get that. Like, and I think you're the same way with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch. It's, you're just like, oh, that's just lunch. Yeah, that's right. I don't have to think about it. It's, it's easy to do. Yeah, just like the can. Maybe that's why I think the cans of beans would be a fun activity. I could just do it for lunch. Hmm. He eats them all cold though. Well, except I think at the end. Yeah, when his friends come and he has to cook them for his friends. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's maybe it's the night before the race or something. And he has friends over and they make a giant pot of beans of which he eats some. Right? I think that's what's happening in that, in that part of the show. They put in a giant cast iron um, pot and they cook it over a campfire, I guess. And his friends were drinking beer and having fun. And he had to get up at four in the morning or whatever to go do his race. Yeah, I think that fireplace is, if, was it in the barn? It was definitely outdoors. It was um, outdoor hearth. I, you really need, you really need to watch the other video, Pierce. I think um, you get a kick out of all the the chores he's doing around the house and an inspiration for enhancements to your uh, rural property. The one thing you can say about him is he is definitely a character. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, and I think he, he like you know he's he's interested in the world around him and how his body works and yeah I I don't know I'm jealous of his you know outdoorsiness. Well, you could do that too. Well. I need I need a career in adventure education. Was that was that what it was called? What did I say? What did I say his his degree was in? Yeah, adventure education. Advanced jet ski operation. <laughs> like uh, like in that pool uh, video you sent me earlier this week, right? Where the guys doing flips. And it was uh, it was a lady that did it. Yeah, yeah, it was a woman. Uh, when I build the Lazy River Pierce, I think we're going to need to make it two jet skis wide so we can have races. <laughs> Tandem jet ski. <laughs> we can hold hands while doing it. No, just so there's room to pass, right? I don't want to, you know, it's no fun to have a race where you can't get around the other person. Well, I think that means you need to, <laughs> your Lazy River just needs to be a donut that's two jet skis wide. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want it to be just a circle. I think it should have some kind of meandering natural course, but... Oh, how could, how could we build a, uh, like an overpass out of water? I want like a figure eight. You could do that. Like, uh, surely you've been to an amusement park where they have a log flume, right? Or, well, even just like one of those super dangerous water parks, right? If you, you pump <laughs> enough water up a hill or you pump enough water fast enough, it'll go up a hill, right? So, yeah, you just need to have jets pumping water into the system to get people to go up over a bridge. Oh, shoot. We we took a look at this. There was a water park in the Midwest where they named, like, the tidal pool or the uh, wave pool, the murder pool. Do you remember this? Yeah, where they, they like, I think the, the stories talk about how the lifeguards, you know. Yeah, they'd pull a kid out of the pool. All the time. At an alarming frequency, which was really, really shocking. But the engineering disaster of the pool was that the, I guess the wave pool operated by having an actuated like arm or gate or whatever at the bottom of the deep end. Yeah, it like had some kind of like hydraulic thing that would push against the, the water at the surface. Yeah, it would just go up and down. But the, they miscalculated the amount of um, suction that it would cause when you're in like the shallow and it would just pull you straight into it. Oh, you mean when, so when the wave came in and then it would go back out, it would knock everybody over? It was producing more suction force. So the, the waves were weaker than the actual suction. They, they made an undertow machine, I think. Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> I yeah. think that's, yeah. Well, we'll have to find a link for that to put it in the show notes. I really want everybody to take advantage of the show notes. That's your baby. 
Uh, it kind of is. Yes. I think it's personally frustrating for you when a podcast doesn't have all the things in the show notes. Um, yes. Yes, it is. We're not going to call anyone out. No, but some of our favorite shows do suffer from that. Well, the thing with Gruber is he's always saying he's going to put in the show notes and he never does. But I was I was thinking of Dubai Friday where they, particularly in the uh, the Patreon episodes, that's why we need a Patreon. They're a little light in the notes. Yeah, well, shots fired. Gruber, Dubai Friday, you're on blast. <laughs> Putting them on notice. Not really. We love them. We love them both. That's right. We're inspired to be doing this because of people like them. But still, you're on blast. Did we uh, did we get to the bottom of this one? Uh, maybe so. Like I said, I subscribed. I'm looking forward to some more fun Australian YouTube content, and and I'm still I'm gonna lean on you for more bean uh, bean competitions. I think we're really trying to figure out how to uh, play a board game remotely. Well, yes. Uh, speaking of when when Max's uh, uh, survivor friends were playing Secret Hitler, uh, I spent a little time trying to figure out what technology they were using for that, so that maybe we could look into that. I don't want to have to learn how to you know design a tabletop simulator plugin or whatever it is uh, from scratch. Yeah, that, that just rides on top of Steam, right? So there's, yeah, there's a Steam game called Tabletop Simulator. We'll put links in the show notes uh, where you can, I think some of the content is, you know, free and available. You just kind of load it into the, maybe there's a directory or something. I, I've only, I've played with some other people who knew much more about it than I did. So they just told me what to click on or whatever. This game is crazy and like it supports VR. So if you have your own VR, you know, uh, computer at home, you can be interacting with a board game in virtual reality. But I was just using, you know, the display in the laptop. Do people actually use their VR headsets for things other than porn? Well, I have borrowed somebody else's VR headset to play things that they showed me that were not was not porn. What they did with it uh, when I wasn't there, I, I can't speak to. I know that I've never borrowed somebody else's equipment and I have no equipment of my own. Did you take the black light to it? <laughs> Certainly not. That would be rude, Pierce. You don't go to somebody else's hat, house and bring a black light. <laughs> that's one of the, that's the 11th commandment. <laughs> Thou shall not bring a black light into another person's home. Thou shalt not black light things. Lest thee be blacklighted, I guess. Would be how that would go. What what is it? Thee who cast the first black light. <laughs> <laughs> they call that the uv rule as opposed to the golden rule that's the ultraviolet rule <laughs> yes do unto others as you would have them do unto you but do not black ultraviolet others unless lest thee want to be blacklighted <laughs> unless it's your thing yes um this is a uh, a safe space so to each their own I always thought that was a Virgin Atlantic or no Virgin America shtick is that they wanted to screen people going onto the plane for just absolutely disgusting humans. Oh, that, that's well, I think the lighting in the plane was kind of purple, Pierce. I don't think it was fluorescent. Oh, it wasn't a black. <laughs> no, the lighting scheme was purple and, and kind of cool. But no, I don't think they didn't replace all the lights in the plane cabin with uh, with black lights. Can you imagine <laughs> just even the regular grossness of the plane would stand out? That'd be horrible. Along the same same lines, I heard from a truck driver from Australia while I was in Norway that the reason that uh, taxi cabs and clubs have a lot of blue lights is so that people can't see where their veins are if they want to do intravenous drugs. You know that is vaguely familiar. I wonder, I wonder where I where I heard that. I mean, if you 
I believe that. That makes sense. And I guess the color would be right, right? In blue light, you couldn't see red. It's also, uh, shoot, I'm going to get this completely wrong. The intensity of the light is such that you can have very bright light with low power. And I think it's it's harsh on your eyes. The blue light is harsh on your eyes regardless. It makes it harder to see things. Whereas like red, you can have a lower intensity light with higher power and not lose necessarily vision doing it. Like uh, think of like submarines or uh, a dark room or something like that. Um, well, sure. A dark room or like, um, you know, if you want to use a map light and not lose and not damage your night vision, like if, I don't know, or like uh, that one of your uh, iOS apps that helps you uh, track um, astronomical things, stars and satellites and, and stuff. Dark sky. Is it dark sky? Uh, I think I, I have two things. I don't know. I don't know which one we have in com- common. Either way, I think at least one of the apps I have has a a night vision mode, where like, maybe night vision isn't the right word, but a a mode in which you can help preserve your ability to see in low light by changing the entire all all the UI to be black and red. Uh, yeah, I believe you're. I believe they call it night vision, uh, but. It's really just low intensity. Yeah, but not light. night not night vision in the sense where you have like light a- amplified, like a low light uh, image sensor that you know it's like a camera that's able to detect you know see better in low light, and then you get an amplified picture or whatever. So so it's not goggles that you know your SEAL Team Six is wearing. Uh, it's just a mode of the interface that wants to make it so that you know if this you know stars are only so bright at this far away. Um, you want to look at your phone to see what you're going to, you know, look up and see, and you don't want your vision to be impaired when you, when you look up to see the stars. In the late nineties, did you get like Mac mall and PC? Oh, catalogs? certainly. Yeah. Do you remember once you got past like all the printers and peripheral section and like the webcam section, they'd have like cameras and like night vision goggles and telescopes at the very back end of it. Yeah. I, I vaguely. Sure. I always, always wanted a pair of night vision goggles, like in the worst way. And it like continuing on, I still want them more than anything. Well, I, I, I'm sure you probably just get them at Walmart, can't you? Yeah, it, it's not going to be the same. You know, that's one of those things is growing up in the 90s that that was one of the coolest things ever. And I guess it probably was inspired by watching uh, images of the first Gulf War. Do you remember our attack on Baghdad? Oh, yeah. That was like huge national news. And that was all shot in night vision. Yeah, I remember um, that was a really good excuse for not doing my homework. Because you had to stay up at night and watch the news to see, to watch the war. Yeah, the nightly news. It's crazy. And I guess we've really become desensitized to that. I remember that was, you know, that was exciting. The first few times we, you know, invaded countries in the Middle East, everybody was paying attention for weeks. Yeah, it felt very uh, unprecedented. Now it's, yeah, it's Tuesday. Well, our whole news cycle is, has changed now, right? Nothing sticks in in the news for for any length of time because either our, generally our attention span you know is so so much shorter or there's just so much new crisis um, that the things get pushed out. Yeah, so I think we should get night vision goggles. Honestly, oh for for the next podcast, that's that's the challenge, as it were. <laughs> no, I mean just in general. Yeah, we we can look into that. I think that would be neat. That's that's a good preparedness item, tying it into the last episode. Do you think you get uh, ones that integrate with HomeKit? Well, I guess, okay, I guess along those lines, um, you know, my Google uh, Nest 
cameras or whatever, uh, it is pretty remarkable how well they see in the dark, right? They have a infrared sensitive image sensor or whatever. And so once the visible light level drops past a certain threshold, they switch to this other mode. It is crazy how little light it takes for it to form a picture, you know, where you can actually see a person's face. Have you noticed that bugs can detect the uh, when the UV light's on for it? Uh, I think infrared. Infrared, I'm sorry. But yes, but yes, I do, yes. Uh, spiders are attracted to it. You know, I get notifications for motion, right? So um can be in the middle of the night and the spider's moving around because it's dark for all the spider nose. Building a spider web right on it. And, well, I haven't, I've, I've not seen that. It's not right there, but because it's under the eave or whatever. There are other surfaces the spider can be hanging from. And yeah, for sure, the spider's attracted to it and the camera can see it even though it's dark and uh, or appears to be dark to the human eye. I've noticed that the bumblebees in our uh, in our front yard are definitely attracted to the one over the garage. It's same with the wasps. It's very strange of all the things that they're attracted to. Well, I mean, I think... Um, I mean, surely you've seen uh, you've seen pictures of like, this is what these flowers look like to insects, right? So, you know, humans are... No, they sure they surely can see uh, infrared light. It's it's just interesting as a human to know we're missing out on such a strong thing that we're just blasting out there and all these other uh, creatures that we think of as lesser animals are just freaking out over IR source. Well, they're, they're specialized in a different way, right? I mean... I don't, I don't know in all cases, but I would suspect, Pierce, that in those instances, in order to find the right flower or whatever, those insects, in this case, right, have specialized their their visual you know, capabilities, you know, to be good at that and maybe probably sacrificed some other visual capabilities, right? You know, maybe it's just shifted. So they might have that advantage, but we might be able to see something they can't see. Or I don't know, dogs, you know, can't discern... Uh, certain colors as well as we can. It's like all dogs are colorblind or something, but they make up for it because they can smell a thousand times better than us. Isn't the thing with the dog colorblindness kind of a misnomer? It's not that they're colorblind, but their ability to detect colors is fundamentally different than ours. Well, that's right. I think that they... Uh, God, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, rods and cones, I I don't know. One of them is is more adept at like uh, light intensity, uh, measurement right so it it's just like how bright is the light and the other is uh what color is the light and i think that dogs are are more able you know they have better uh brightness sensitivity and less color sensitivity and i think that um if i remember correctly like a color that doesn't stand out to them uh very well is red so it's like really obnoxious to play ball with a red ball or something because it's, it's harder for the dog to see yeah, that was my understanding too, is that their colors are muted, but it's not like they can't see all colors. Like some colors may look the same because it's so muted. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's like their whole world is black and white. I think it's just less like we see. But you know, I guess, I don't know. I guess there, there are two aspects of it. It's right. There's the biologically, what can their their vision like components, What how well do their eyes work, you know, to detect certain, you know, wavelengths um, of light. And then, you know, how is their image processing capability and their brain designed to interpret that, right? So it's both of those things. How good is the sensor? How good is the interpretation of the data from the sensor? 
Yeah, I, that's one of those like really frustrating fundamental questions you can, or discussions you can have with someone about what does blue look like to you? And there's two portions of it, what your brain interprets and what your eyes actually see. And your perception of blue might be the same like in terms of optically, but the way your brain processes it might be fundamentally different. Yeah, and, and I guess it's really culturally. So like we all agree that the shirt I'm wearing, you know, is blue. But but the thing I see is blue internally to me looks like one thing, right? You know, just because it's, you know, the shirt is, you know, we could scientifically measure, oh, well, the wavelength of the light is this or whatever. But what I see is blue might, you know, or what I, the impression of blue for me could be different for you. Does that make any sense? Like we all call it blue, but I mean, how do we know that you see blue the same way I see blue? Like, I think we run into this a lot in fringe colors. I, I know my perception of purple and blue are very blurred. So something I, like certain colors, I'll be like, I don't know if that's purple or blue. Or I guess green and yellow are hard distinctions for me as well. Like the fringes of the color wheel. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mary and I have this disagreement all the time. We're like, I'm like, that's not blue. That's purple. And she's like, nope, that's blue. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm done. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, what's the sense in continuing to argue about that, right? No, you can't come to a, like a real resolution. It's like, I mean, I guess you could survey a, a larger population and be like, well, the majority says it's this. So that's the group consensus. But if you see it one way, it doesn't really matter. Well, the internet also lost its shit over the, uh, what is it, Laurel and uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, well, th- I think it was the gold or the blue dress. And then it was Laurel or Yanni. Yanni or Laurel. Yeah, I think that's the same situation. And I don't think there's any resolution. It's not worth even discussing. Like if you have that disagreement for a second, as a human, just be like, whatever, <laughs> just, we're, we're done. Yes, we have bigger problems than uh, the which color we see the dress. Zero percent problems outside in the regular world right now, other than dress or color. No, that's right. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect uh, universe. Everything is going great. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Pierce, I hope you uh, you enjoyed this uh, Australian that I happened to run into on YouTube. I did, mate. <laughs> Throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Uh, apologies to any of our Australian listeners. We're sorry. Yeah, don't blame us. We're American. All right, Dave. All right. Until next time. <laughs>